Welcome to episode three of season two of Armchair Donkeys. We've got another special guest on the show this week. Brad Williams was a tight end at Stanford University in 73 and 74. More importantly than that, he seated my mother in the winter of 1978, <laughs> who gave birth to me in the summer of 79. Eat your heart out, Brian Adams. Uh, now, Pop, in the 1974 big game, which predated the famous 1982 game with the Stanford band running onto the field during what would forever be referred to as the play, you came up with a legendary play of your own where you jumped over then Cal defensive back and current Arizona State head coach Herm Edwards to set up a game-winning field goal with seconds on the clock. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that game and what it's like having played such an integral part in big game history? Well, the game was for second place in the big uh, in the in the Pac-8. Uh, USC is, was already going to the Rose Bowl. They only allowed one team to go to the Rose Bowl or one team to a bowl game. That was USC going uh, to play the Big Ten champ. SC ended up winning the national championship that that year. Um, Cal and Stanford came into the game both five, five, one and one, and the winner was going to get second place in the conference and going nowhere. But uh, Cal was led by players like Steve Markowski, Herman Edwards, uh, um, Wesley Walker, Chuck Muncie. Uh, Stanford had uh, Steve Dills, Guy Benjamin, James Lofton, Scott Laidlaw, Pat Donovan, Roger Stilwell. We both teams were loaded. And it came down to a game went back and forth uh, over at Berkeley. Uh, Cal scored to go ahead 20 to 19 with 47 seconds left. They kicked off. Uh, Stanford was out of timeouts. Uh, we got uh, up the field uh, on a pass to uh, backup tight end Teddy Pappas, who got out of bounds after 19 yards up to the 47-yard line, our 47. Uh, we had an incomplete pass, and with 12 seconds left, I'm lined up against former Denver Broncos All-Pro Rob Swenson for Cal. And I got to the line of scrimmage. Uh, play was called a tight end, uh, tight end across. Uh, I know breaking the huddle. If uh, Bob's Rob's up on the line of scrimmage, I'm going to have trouble getting off the ball. We battled all day long. Uh, I got up to the line of scrimmage, and he was 12 yards off the ball. I got a clean release. Benjamin fake to uh, Scott Laidlaw into the line. Uh, Tony Hill, our wide receiver, cleared out on the right side. And I came across the middle and saw this guy coming up, jumped in the air as high as I could get, and then uh, got out of bounds, fell on the chalk line with two seconds left. We lined up. I got 33 yards on the play. We got lined up and kicked a 50-yard field goal. And... Uh, win the game 22 to 20 on a walk-off field goal. Your mother came out into, in, onto the field to graduate, congratulate me, and I went to give her a kiss with my helmet on and chipped one of her teeth. <laughs> That's the story of the 74 big game. I oh, love it. For, uh, for all you listeners out there, if you ever cross path, paths with Herm Edwards, uh, make sure you tell him that Brad Williams says hello. He just loves that. All right, Bob. Um, <laughs> We had a tough week last week. We broke new rule number one and made a heart bet on our buffs. Uh, I think we both had them in three or four bets across the board and lost all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly, man. Hey, uh, I thought we had a chance at halftime. 
Um, you know, we should have been leading that game at halftime, but some uh, decisions I didn't love in the first half. Uh, and then the game just, you know, TCU made adjustments. The bus did not. And we just flat out got our ass kicked in the second half. Um, but yeah, it, that was a tough one. I had, I had a couple, couple winners. T Wood helped me out. I, you know, I, I took the over of that UTEP OU game. And like I said, OU almost beat it themselves. Um, and then I know you, I broke your heart with your, your Utah pick, but, uh, I rolled pretty strong on Florida in the swamp. So had some success, but yeah, we did break our rule. We bet with our hearts and we got, got kicked right in the face with it. Yeah. And rule number five, uh, is to tread lightly early in the season. I got a little excited and broke that rule, uh, and lost, uh, lost this weekend. Nobody to blame, but myself. A reminder to all you listeners out there, not losing is winning sports betting. Protecting your bankroll is as important as anything else if you want to win. Uh, now, Bob, when I was growing up, there were three things that my, my dad insisted that I couldn't do. One, I had to promise not to ride a motorcycle. Number two, I'm going to have to tell you off the air. And uh, number three was I was not allowed to go to USC. With that... Let's go to the farm in Palo Alto, Pop. Your Stanford Cardinal are getting eight and a half points at home against the USC Trojans. The over-under in this game is 67 and a half. Both teams are coming off uh, poor years. Uh, Stanford was three and nine last year, but they did manage to go down to USC in the second game of the season and beat them 42 to 14. SC will have that in their pocket. Stanford's also won 10 of the last 16 games since Jim Harbaugh first came on in, uh, uh, 16 years ago and turned the program around with a, uh, uh, a big upset win down there, down in, down in the Coliseum as a 41 and a half point underdog, which turned the fortunes of Stanford football around. Uh, as of last year, we've had a rough season. We'll see what happens. Uh, this year, USC has retooled in a big way, bringing in Lincoln Riley bringing in his quarterback from Oklahoma, as well as the Bolitnikoff Award winner, the wide receiver. Uh, SC came up big last week, uh, just bombing uh, their opponent uh, 66 to to uh, 66 to 14. And I'm trying to think of who the, oh, the opponent, opponent was Rice. And yeah. Rice's head coach, Mike Bloomgren, was the offensive coordinator uh, at Stanford until four years ago. So, uh, didn't fare well for Mike. In any case, uh, SC's, you said eight and a half point favorite. Uh, I think SC wins in a blowout. Uh, they did very well, brought in over 40 kids in the transfer portal, including starting tailback the last two years for Stanford, Austin Jones, who's now the starting tailback for USC. Um, Stanford will be healthy. Uh, they've got all their receivers back, well, the healthiest they've been in five years. However, uh, they're uh, they're not very strong in the offensive line or the defensive line, and that's where you win football games. Uh, they lost uh, some guy, big guys in the defensive line last year, and they haven't retooled to the level uh, to, I think, really compete with uh, USC's up front uh, offensive linemen. Um, and, of course, uh, Caleb uh, Williams is the talk. Uh, they're already talking Heisman Trophy for him after the game he had last week in USC's big win over Rice. So uh, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. But I'm going with the uh, – I'd pick the Trojans. Um, 
I'm not going to bet with my heart on this one. I'm, I'm not going to bet at all, but uh, I think SC wins big up at Stanford. How, so. how are you guys on the back end? Um, how are you guys, guys going to be able to handle their wide receivers? I mean, they, they got Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, who, like you said, won the Blitnikoff. They got uh, Caleb Williams, number one guy uh, from Oklahoma, came over. In addition to that running back from Stanford, they also got the kid from Oregon, who uh, I think they got a two-back system. Uh, do you guys have the cornerbacks to hold up against them? Our, our, our defensive secondary is pretty pretty good, pretty experienced. That's probably the strength of our team, that and the wide receivers. Um, but as you know, if you don't get pressure on the quarterback and you let Caleb Williams run, run rampant like he did last week, it could be a long afternoon for the Cardinal. And we just don't have the horses up front in the defensive line, in my opinion, to uh, compete that effectively with them. We're pretty good in the back seven, but the, the front three or four, uh, we'll probably get manhandled a little bit. And I doubt that we'll get much pressure on the quarterback, which which means that uh, SC could have, a, could have a pretty big day. Bob, any thoughts here? I agree with you, Big Brad. USC is loaded. I mean, they got so much talent. I think – you know, they're by far the best team in the Pac-12 this year. And uh, I just I, – I think it's going to be ugly. feel sorry for you, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah, uh, Dad, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, offline that Stanford's not really playing the transfer portal game. It's tough to get kids into school. Um, and, and that they're not – they're probably also – I don't think they're playing the NIL game either, which uh, – you know, Rice had some success moving the ball. Shaw's going to tr try and control the clock in this game. But if SC smells blood in the water, they're going for the jugular and they're going to want to cover for their boosters who are putting up the money. Uh, they've got guys rolling around in 500-class Mercedes Benzes, and someone's paying for those Benzes. And they're going to want to make sure that the alumni are covering. And if they've got a chance to cover, there will be no taking their foot off the gas, especially in this game. I agree with both of you guys. I think it's going to be a long day for the Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, Bob? One last note, and they're the only two private schools in the league, and uh, uh, they don't like each other. SC and Stanford do not like each other at all. So it's going to be a uh, an interesting afternoon. Bob, let's go to Pittsburgh, where the Panthers are getting six points at home against the Tennessee Volunteers. The over-under in this game is 66-and-a-half. Yeah, when I saw this, I was surprised that Pitt was getting points. I know I mean, Tennessee's a good team, SEC team, um, and, and they're getting better with, with Josh Heupel down there as their head coach. But, um, you know, they played a, a weak Ball State team, didn't have a big challenge in their first game of the year where Pitt, you know, had a big rivalry game against West Virginia, came out successful. Um, you know, Slovis, the USC transfer, looked really good uh, for Pitt in that game. And, and I just expect them to keep playing well. So I, I like the home underdog, especially – Coming off a big win, a big rivalry win, they got momentum going. So, um, you know, I'm liking Pitt right now and taking these points uh, as the home team. Pop, any thoughts on this one? No, I, I like Bobby's assessment. I think uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah, I think Keaton Slovis looked pretty good last game in the backyard brawl. Six points at home sounds tough not to take, uh, but I'll probably stay away from that one. I don't know much about Tennessee. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to take us to Berkeley, and I'm diving back into the Mountain West uh, where the Bears are a 13-point favorite at home against the UNLV running Rebels. The over-under in this game is 48 points. So both of these teams opened against Big Sky opponents last week. 
You know, I watched a Cal team that let UC Davis move the ball up and down the field on them for 387 total yards. And if it weren't for two interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown, this game would have been a lot closer than it was. Uh, UNLV, on the other hand, Pop, we watched it together. They routed Idaho State 45-7 to in the first half and then sat their starters in the second half. UNLV has some serious weapons at wide receiver. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against uh, this Cal defense who only sacked the UC Davis quarterback twice in that game. Cal also has a big game against Notre Dame next week. If they look past this UNLV team, UNLV has enough talent to pull off the upset here. I like UNLV plus 13. I like this game to go over 48 points. And I love the value on UNLV plus 380 to pull off an upset here. Bob, you got any thoughts on this one? And this was another one I was surprised when the line came out because UNLV looked great. And I am definitely not sold on Cal in any sort of way. So um, I, I like you. I like the points in UNLV because I think there's going to be they think they're going to be able to score a lot of points. And I, and I just I don't see Cal beating them by two touchdowns in any sort of way. Pop, any thoughts? Uh, I like your assessment. I watched UNLV last year, last week move up and down the field. They got a lot of weapons. They brought in some great players on the transfer portal. Um, they looked pretty awesome against against Idaho last week. Yeah. All right, Pop, you're on a game that will likely feature a couple dozen future NFL stars. Alabama is spotting the Texas Longhorns a 20-point lead before this thing kicks off in Austin. The over-under in this game is 66-and-a-half. Uh, first, Nick Saban has only lost uh, to one of his former coaches one time, and that was in the national championship last year. Steve Sarkeesian was his offensive coordinator. Steve came to, went, went, left two years ago to go to Texas. He was 6-7 and seven last year in his uh, breakout season, which is hardly, uh, hardly knocking the doors down. He's got a new quarterback in Quinn Ewers, which uh, everybody's excited about. Uh, he was 16 to 24 last week. Didn't really light it up uh, like you would have hoped, but uh, Texas had a good win uh, over Louisiana Monroe, 52 to 10. Uh, Alabama cruised against Utah State, which was a 12 and 2 team last year, 55 to nothing. They've got the Heisman Trophy winner back. Uh, they're coming into Texas. They have a one. Uh, Texas leads the series 7-1-1, one, and one, the only one they won. Uh, Alabama was the uh, 2010 National Championship game where Alabama beat Texas for the National Championship. And that was Saban's first of six National Championships at Alabama. Uh, I think they come in there, Alabama does, uh, with the talent that they have. The spread is 20. I think, uh, I think, they, they, I think they cover that. I think they beat them by 30 points. Um, I don't think Texas is, is there yet. Uh, they've got a ways to go, which will make the Longhorn fans uh, upset, but it is what it is. Uh, I think Alabama's too loaded at every position. They lost 16 guys in the portal, but uh, that didn't really phase them. They brought about six or seven, of, six or seven guys in in the portal, all of whom are playing ball. So Alabama is uh, the real deal. Saban and Sarkeesian, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I think uh, I think uh, Nick Saban schools his old his old uh, protege. Bob, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Um, I don't think I'll touch the game, but I th I think 
Saban's got enough, uh, you know, enough asshole in him where he's going to want to set an example against Sark and he wants to go into Austin and he's going to want to put a lot of points up. So I, I, if I bet it, I would be, I would be leaning to take Alabama and give up those points um, just because I think he's, he's going to want to, he's going to want to blow Sark out if he can. Yeah. I think Texas, uh, like you said, pop, I think they're a year or two away from competing in this one. Uh, I, I do know that each one of Texas's offensive linemen for going to six uh, fundraisers a year, they're all getting 50 grand a year, which is going to help them uh, in recruiting. Uh, it, Colorado, Colorado and Stanford teams that don't want to play the NIL game, they're going to find out real fast that uh, they're going to want to figure out how to how to change their minds pretty quickly. I like Bama giving up the 20. All right, Bob, uh, let's go to Razorback Stadium where Arkansas is an eight-point favorite over South, uh, South Carolina. The over-under in this game is 53. Yeah, another one where I'm a big fan of Arkansas's quarterback. K.J. Jefferson is a is a hell of a football player. And and it goes back to the other game I talked about where South Carolina didn't have a challenge in their first game against Georgia State, where Arkansas played a very good Cincinnati team. So they were tested. Um, I, I said last week, I think Arkansas is one of the teams on the rise in the SEC. And I just don't think South Carolina is there yet. So I, I like giving up these points at Razorback Stadium and taking Arkansas this weekend. Pop, any thoughts on this one? I like Arkansas. I love the quarterback. Uh, I think he's uh, I think he's a Sunday player in a couple of years. I think uh, he leads them to I think he leads them to the promised land. All right. There, there are some pundits out there calling for Spencer Rattler as a Heisman long shot. Um, I don't know enough about these two teams. I'm staying away. But you know what? Uh, I'm going back to the Mountain West Conference. Just stay in the uh, just stay in the Mountain West, Bo. I stay in my lane, baby. Stay in my <laughs> lane. Let's go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, where the Rainbow Warriors are getting 51 points in the big house. The over/under in this game is 60, 67 and a half. I know what you guys are thinking. Nobody gives a shit about this game, Bo. <laughs> That's true. But I think there's an opportunity to make money here. 51 is a huge number. However, this Hawaii team is absolutely atrocious. They've been blasted two weeks in a row at home. Last year, they were great at home and awful on the road. They got hammered in the transfer portal. Timmy Chang appears to be way in over his head. Uh, this is also a team that gave up nine yards a carry to Vandy in week one. Michigan might cover this spread in the first half. And in a day where the NIL is so prevalent, I don't think mercy is a thing anymore. The Wolverines, no going into this game. They're favored by 51, and I think they're going to want to cover that for the alumni who are funding their NIL opportunities. This is the college football world that we're living in. I'm letting my nuts hang in this one, and I'm taking Michigan to cover the 51 here. Bob, any thoughts? Uh, Hawaii's awful, so I'll, 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 go, I'll roll with you. Other than that, I don't have any thoughts on this game. I don't know. <laughs> 51 points is a lot of points. Michigan's going to look at this as an opportunity to play everybody, uh, all 100 guys that they suit up. They're going to look to get everybody in the ballgame, uh, get their guys some playing time. I think they go up go, go up early pretty big. Uh, where you worry about it is uh, when they got their scrubs in that are inexperienced and uh, prone to mistakes, uh, then Hawaii maybe can put up some put up some points. They put up 14 points, two touchdowns. I think they, I think uh, Hawaii covers. 
I think Michigan's going to score 70, and they're probably going to score 51 in the first half. So I'm, I'm going to take a look at the first half line on that one as well. All right, Pop, uh, you're up on a team that you've been in my ear about for two seasons. UTSA, the University of Texas at San Antonio, is getting two and a half points in a tough game in West Point against Army. The over-under in this game is 54 and a half. The Roadrunners are, are a great story. They didn't even have a program 12 years ago. This is San Antonio is the seventh largest metropolitan area in the country. They got a lot of football players, guys that you played with when you were at University of Colorado. Uh, they got a great recruiting base, and they got a coach uh, by the name of Jeff Trailer, 30 years exper coaching experience. Listen to this. Let's listen to this resume. In 15 years at Gilmer High School, he won three state championships and two runners-up, was the was the four-time Texas High School Coach of the Year and has the 10th best, uh, ten, best record of any coach in Texas high school football history. This guy came in into the program 2019. He's turning around. They went 12-2 and two last year. They covered in every single game but one, and they covered last week. I've been telling you guys a long time that the San Antonio – Roadrunners have got the town behind them. They've got a great coach. They've got a great recruiting base. This is a team to watch going forward. They won the conference championship last year. They lost a 24th-ranked Houston in triple overtime last week. Game could have gone either way. And their uh, quarterback, Frank Harris, had just shy of 4,000 total offensive, total off yards, total offense running and passing last year. Uh, he's a real deal. He's a great player. So I think the Roadrunners um, uh, are a team to watch. Now, they're playing a team that is also a team to watch, uh, Army. Army has gone to five bowl games in the last six years. They were 9-3 and three last year. They run a flex triple option. Uh, they'll run the ball five times for every one pass. They throw maybe seven to eight, nine passes a game. They'll run the ball down people's throat, and they do it better than anybody and more importantly, they led the nation last year in time of possession. And that's one of the things they look to do. Ball control, run the clock, keep possession, keep the ball, don't make any mistakes. They're going to be as fit as any team that you ever play in the country. And uh, Army is a tough team to beat. Uh, again, 9-3 and three last year. Um, so it's two and a half points uh, that they're giving away. Um, and they're playing in West Point. Uh, both teams are on the rise. Both teams are teams you want to bet uh, the rest of the seat, the rest of the way. But I wouldn't bet either one of them in this game unless you want to go the over, which is fifty-four and a half. Bob, you know I've heard a lot of talk about the Roadrunners and and uh, that they are on the rise. I don't know enough about Army minus. I mean that triple option is hard to defend. Um, you know it, it sets up. You know, it's a whole different week of practice for the opposing team. Um, I just, I just appreciate all the uh, the research that Big Brad's doing and all the info he's providing for on all this stuff. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's it's two interesting programs. Uh, yeah. But but particularly, the Roadrunners didn't have a program until 12 years ago. They put 80 million dollars into a new athletic complex. 80 million, and they play in the Alamo Dome. Uh, you know, this is a team that's on the rise that you're going to want to watch. 
and you're certainly going to want to bet them going forward. Yeah, I think that this is probably a stay away game. I, I you, you've been spot on about the Roadrunners. I've the only game I think I took them last year. I think I think they didn't cover, uh, but <laughs> the uh, the service academies in that option. Yeah. The service academy and that option attack is really tough to prepare for in a week's notice. Uh, although when we used to play Nebraska, they had the the, uh, the triple option attack. And the one way that um, you can overcome that is if you've got team speed on defense. Uh, I don't know much enough about that defense, so I'm going to stay away from this game. The Roadrunners do have good team speed. They're loaded with a bunch of good athletes. This guy is a great recruiter. And he's probably got relationships all over the state of Texas from coaching yep. high school football. Everybody, right? everybody knows Jeff Trailer. All right, Bob, let's jump to week one in the NFL. Start us off in Soldier Field where the Chicago Bears are getting seven points at home against the San Francisco 49ers. The over-under in this game is 40 and a half. Yeah, I uh, see your shirt. I see your hat. Still got this ticket at my house over here for you. Uh <laughs> For your 49ers, but um, I'm I like Week One home underdogs in the NFL. I am not sold on the whole Trey Lance project. Um, not big on it. The Bears are a really young team. They're not have a lot of expectations this year. But I think Justin Fields is a hell of a football player, and I think he is. Gonna, I think he's the better quarterback in this game. Um, so I like buying a half a point, getting seven and a half. Even if the 49ers win, I think it'll be close. Um, but I like the home underdogs in week one of the NFL. So I'm going to roll with the Bears. It probably sounds stupid saying it out loud. But uh, I just think I think this game's going to be closer than everybody else thinks. Bob? I like the 49ers defense. I think they got a, a great defensive line. Uh, they've retooled the secondary. But I do agree with Bob uh, on the Trey Lance program. Uh, I went down to practice a couple of year, couple of weeks ago, and watched the 49ers practice. And uh, he's not as accurate a thrower, I don't think, as Garoppolo. And um, guys were a little frustrated. Guys that were wide open uh, in the scrimmage. And again, it's just a scrimmage. But uh, if you went down when you and I, when you were growing up, and you went down to see the 49ers practice. Joe Montana, Steve Young, they didn't miss anybody. Those Every single pass was a completion. This guy has got uh, a lot of talent, a wonderful athlete. Uh, I'm not sure he has the accuracy that the 49ers are used to. And if he doesn't, Garoppolo will come in off the bench, and, and I think he'll win his job back before the season's over. I agree. That's a big test right here. Yeah, so Chicago's offensive line was awful last year. Um if they didn't do anything to fix that, they're going to get eaten up by the 49ers uh, front seven. Uh, if they can protect um, Justin Fields, I think that he outshines uh, Trey Lance in this one. I think the 49ers win, but I'm not sure uh, that they cover. I like, like Bob says, uh, I'm a big fan of home dogs uh, getting points at home. All right, guys, uh, let's go to Carolina where Baker Mayfield takes on his old team, the Cleveland Browns. The Panthers are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The over-under in this game is 42. This game opened uh, at Cleveland getting four points in this one, uh, and it's since moved to one-and-a-half. That's something to, uh, to take note of. Christian McCaffrey's back. Baker is going to have a chip on his shoulder. 
The Panthers also got LaVisca Chenault, who I think could fit nicely into that offense. But here's what it comes down to for me. The Browns' defense is good enough to keep it close. And as it stands right now, 92% of the money is on the Panthers, which for me is a hammer the Browns trigger. I like the Browns plus one and a half in this one if the money holds up through Sunday. Bob, any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like your what you're saying about the percentages. I just I just don't know what Cleveland's going to do on offense. And the whole Deshaun Watson fiasco, I think with McCaffrey back and Baker's going to be fired up to play against his old team the way that situation went down. Um, gosh, I, I think I got to lean towards the 92% um, and, and Carolina right now. Bob? I think that's a lot of the reason that 92% are going on the Panthers is because of uh, McCaffrey being back and healthy and uh, Baker Mayfield having a uh, big, big chip on his shoulder. And he, he, as we all know, is quite a competitor. So uh, I, I like Carolina to cover big. Cleveland's uh, starting Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. He's, he's pretty serviceable. Uh, I'm betting on the Zebras in this one. I think that uh, early in the season, this is a throwaway game, and uh, they're going to take care of their sponsors. All right, guys, uh, that's all the time we have for you today. Thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please do us a solid and hit that YouTube subscribe button to stay up to date with future episodes. Pops, thanks for coming on and your continued support with the show. Have fun at the game this weekend. Bob, good luck this weekend. Good luck, guys. Great to be with the B-Boys. Good to see you, Brad.